from his love. If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. How do I show grace without being a doormat? Um, In 2015, I had the great privilege, 2015 feels like another lifetime ago. Uh, 2015, I had the great privilege of going over to uh, the Bible lands, seeing some of the places that are significant and mentioned in the Bible, where um, also where the, the early church grew and spread, places now known as Israel, Palestine, Turkey, and Greece. Uh, And my friend Sam and I, who uh, we traveled together, we'd been on a a really long few flights uh, from home to get there, and we arrived in Istanbul, in Turkey. Now, in me telling you this story, it could be anywhere in the world. I have nothing against Turkey or Turkish people. Um, I can imagine this happening when landing in Australia or any other country. Uh, you can see this kind of human behavior uh, everywhere. Well, our flight was a little bit delayed getting in, and uh, we actually had to get from one airport in Istanbul, we had to go across the city, across Istanbul in a bus to get to another airport to get a connecting flight out into Israel. That's just how we did it. Um, so we're a little bit stressed because we're late and having to do all of that stuff, we're gonna be a little bit pressed for time and uh, potentially gonna miss our flight. Um, so we're, we're trying to get our luggage as quickly as possible, then we're sprinting um, down to get to immigration and passport control, um, a proper sprint, and because we, we wanted to get to the line. And, and we got there and it wasn't too bad, but it, you know, immigration, it takes a long time, 
people get questioned and it just gets held up and we're like, come on, come on. And anyway, um, so we felt good about our sprint because then we see the rest of our plane load come in and fill up and they're like, whoa, that's a massive line. Glad we did that. And then another plane load clearly came in, huge line, like, whoa, good one. And then, um, and then so we're, we're coming a few spaces in and we're like, all right, come on, come on, come on, we're going to get in. And then, and then we see, we're just like looking around, I see from the back, the very back of the line, these two young men, gentlemen, uh, were just waltzing past everyone. So cutting, cutting the line of the queue, right? Um, and uh, so the, the thing zigzags around, it's got those bollards with the tape that you pull out and click in. And uh, so sometimes they just like unclick it and move it off and then click it behind them, like the nerve. And then other times they just go under, they just say, excuse me, as though they actually meant get out of my way, like just kind of barging through. And I thought, what is this? And, and so I've got a couple of seconds, right, before they get to us. So a couple of seconds to think, what am I gonna do here? Am I gonna, you know, am I gonna stand my ground and actually, you know, say something you know, is it, is it the, the Christian thing to do to say, oh please, you're, you're clearly in more of an urgent need than me to get through to customs, I can wait, my connecting flight can leave without me of course, not a problem, uh, you probably don't, you know, you don't like cues and know you can barge your way through, so please, please help yourself, is that, is that the Christian thing to do, is that what I'm going to do in a few seconds, or... Do Sam and I kind of lock arms and create a barrier while we call over security to say, you know, give, give these ragamuffins a lesson in manners? Do I stick up for myself and not let someone walk all over me like I'm a doormat? I'm going to give you three seconds now to talk to the person next to you, decide what are you going to do, because that's about how long I had. Go. What are you going to do? Type it in the chat. What are you going to do? <laughs> All right, are you going to graciously let it go or are you going to stick up for yourself? Okay, let me, let me get a show of hands. Let me get a show of hands. Who, you know, how many of you have listened to the teachings of Jesus, you know, about do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other also, you know, you've, you've all learnt that, right? Show of hands if you show grace and just, you know, kind of move out of the way, yeah, okay, there's a, out of fear, okay, sure, yeah, yeah, well, there's a different element there, right? If it's two men, like we were two men against two men, so, you know, it can be different for other people if, oh, yeah. anyway, um, okay, so show of hands, now, is anyone going to admit, show of hands, if you are, you know, going to do something like what I did in that moment? Anyone? Stick up for yourself. You're going to say, "Oh, okay, we've got some, we've got some people who are going to, going to share their opinions." That could. Well, let me tell you what happened in that moment. I braced myself as they approached, and I said very clearly, "This is a cue you can't push through." Are you proud of me? <laughs> to which they proceeded to basically ignore me, go around, and like on the way past, one of them glances and goes, welcome to Turkey. <laughs> and keeps walking past. 
Now, it's actually a bit unusual for me uh, to, to do that. Uh, maybe I was a bit sleep deprived and a bit stressed and, you know, just had this airport sprint. Uh, you can ask my wife, Erin, what I would normally do in those circumstances. And I, I think she'd tell you that I'm usually pretty laid back. I'd, you know, happy to not get into a conflict with a stranger, just let it go and be a bit uh, patient then. Uh, some of that is just personality, though. Um, uh, it's my own character and nature uh, to let things go like that. And um, as we think about today's question of how do I show grace without being a doormat, it's very much worthwhile keeping in mind our own character and the personality uh, differences that we each have. Uh, we're going to dive into Scripture as we look at this question, but it's important to know that each of us hear things differently we will take even scripture on board and act it out differently based on our own unique natural tendencies that God has given us. God has created us differently. Uh, so some people talk about the agreeableness to disagreeableness spectrum. It's a, one of the big five personality traits, agreeableness to disagreeableness. Um, so, some of us are naturally more agreeable. We like to agree with others. We'd rather avoid conflict. Uh, and sometimes the best way to do that is to forget about what we need and to just watch the movie that the other person wants. You know, we love a harmonious environment, even if that is messy, even if it's unhealthy and costly for us at times. Uh, that's being uh, highly agreeable. Uh, other, others of us tend to be more disagreeable. You know, it's fine to disagree with other people's opinion because, you know, that's how iron sharpens iron. Uh, we learn through robust argument. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. The complaints department needs work to do. Um, so that there's agreeableness and disagreeableness. Uh, there's highly agreeable and there's highly disagreeable and then there's a whole range in between. And you, might, you might sit somewhere within that. You might like to think now, like where, where do you sit on that spectrum? And uh, in different settings, you might uh, find yourself operating in different ways. So, you know, at home, you might be highly disagreeable, but then in the workplace, highly agreeable or vice versa. So, uh, in answering this uh, question today, I'd like to respond to the question with some follow-up questions, because, you know, Jesus often answered a question with questions, so I'm going to give that a go today. Uh, the first question, as we're thinking about showing grace without being a doormat, is, do you think Jesus tells us to be agreeable or disagreeable? Does Jesus tell us, do you think Jesus tells us to be agreeable or disagreeable? Uh, if we look at uh, that teaching of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, uh, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Uh, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Some of us might hear that as an affirmation of agreeableness, an affirmation of our own personality and character traits. Uh, I certainly have. 
You know, just go along with what other people want from you. Don't stand up for yourself against bullies. Just give and be endlessly gracious. But some of us might hear in Jesus' words some disagreeableness there. Uh, If someone strikes you on one cheek and you turn the other to them, they then kind of have to backhand you. You could actually be kind of shaming them a little bit in turning the other cheek. Uh, If you give your cloak or if you go the extra mile, uh, you might be ridiculing the injustice. You, You might actually be staying in the conflict there you're not avoiding the conflict. Uh, You might actually be heightening what is going on. So is Jesus telling us to be agreeable or disagreeable? Or maybe both, or maybe something else entirely. Uh, At times, Jesus really got stuck into people. He had some choice words, uh, particularly for the religious leaders. You brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs, hypocrites, blind fools. They're not the words of agreeableness at all. But then, he doesn't resist arrest. He doesn't defend himself on trial. And when his hour had come, he seems to turn into Mr. Agreeable. Well, all this to say, I think it's really important to be aware of our own preferences and personality so that we don't just read the parts of the Bible that we like or that match our character traits. Uh, If you tend to be more agreeable, then find those parts of Scripture that, that kind of indicate things are more disagreeable to grow into maturity. If you are more disagreeable, maybe focus on those parts of Scripture that that encourage us to be more agreeable and to uh, put our needs and our wants aside and to care for others. And this is to make sure that our own definition of grace, our definition of grace and hospitality and generosity and love aren't just our personal versions of this but they're actually God's definitions. Uh, Next question that uh, might flow out of this is, does your grace speak? Uh, When you show grace, does it actually say something to the other person and do they hear it? Does your grace speak? A, um, A Roman soldier could legally demand anyone aged 12 years or older to carry their gear for a mile. It was Roman law. They could force someone to go a mile. Um, And uh, so if you were, and and everyone hated this. I mean, the soldiers loved it, but everyone hated this law. So if you were to carry a soldier's gear for a second mile freely, voluntarily, uh, it would be a surprise to the soldier and uh, you then have a whole mile uh, to walk together and for that soldier to deal with their surprise. Uh, The gracious act would speak, it draws attention, it creates a question. Now, of course, the soldier can ignore that question, uh, but it is still provocative grace. Sometimes people say, uh, why did Jesus have to die on a cross for forgiveness? Couldn't God just forgive everyone? Couldn't couldn't God just like let it go? Couldn't God just say he forgives? Well, costly grace speaks to us in a way that we hear. 
We hear better when it's demonstrated and it speaks loudly. It strikes us in our hearts. It breaks through. God demonstrated radical grace by becoming nothing, completely subservient. Uh, This is what we heard in our Philippians passage. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God in Christ showed such ridiculous grace that we can't help but be confronted by it. His grace speaks. Uh, If Jesus was a doormat, he was the loudest, most public, and most newsworthy doormat known to humankind. What he suffered was completely unfair. It was an undeserved death and yet he freely chose to come and serve us, to dive down into the muck and scoop us up from underneath. He made a sacrifice that meant something and said something. Uh, Too often, the grace that I show is, is silent. It doesn't speak when perhaps it could say something. So if we are to imitate Christ, does your grace speak? When you show grace, does it communicate? Do you communicate? Does it raise a question in the other person's mind? Or do they just get what they want and they're enabled in a cycle of bad behavior? If you don't articulate the cost to you, then off they go none the wiser to the difficulty that they're causing you. I suppose... um, What I could have said to my Turkish friends at the airport is, stop, you are going to make me miss my connecting flight. Stop, you're going to make me miss my connecting flight. I would then have been communicating the cost to me. They would have understood that I was going to bear the burden of their behaviours. Now, these guys, I have no idea whether that would have made any difference whatsoever, but at least I would have then articulated to them the cost I was bearing. You can clearly articulate, this is hurting me because there'll be, whether it's a financial burden, an emotional cost, a physical injury, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to bear that cost, but you need to know that's what is happening. You don't need to hide the cost. Grace doesn't mean you need to hide the cost. God didn't. God didn't hide his cost on the cross. Uh, It's something I've had to learn. Um, You know, how can I say something that is clear and firm here, but still gracious and without retribution or retaliation? Uh, A related question would be, what choices do you have? Now, a doormat doesn't have much of a choice um, other than to have dirty feet wiped all over it. Uh, It just suffers in silence and can't do anything about it. And grace feels really different when someone is pressuring you or forcing you to give a gift, Uh, and particularly if that is done over an extended period of time. That kind of thing feels very different to showing grace freely out of free choice. You know, that the soldier can demand one mile that mile's going to feel a certain way, but if you then freely give a second mile, that's going to feel different because you are choosing to do that. 
The, that first mile you might feel like a doormat, um, but the second mile you have agency and freedom. Now, in lots of circumstances, the grace will feel forced out of you, and I'm sure you have felt that at times. That, uh, you know, that gift of grace doesn't feel like giving a gift anymore. And other people can start seeing that as a weakness to be exploited. This happened very early on for the first disciples of Jesus. Uh, we know Jesus taught his disciples to show radical grace, to love our enemies. Jesus demonstrated radical grace and he died for his enemies. Surprise, surprise, the disciples went and did what he told them to do. They imitated Jesus. They gave to those in need. They served others sacrificially. They were painfully generous. They forgave the failings of others. They didn't retaliate. And that had a huge impact on other people. But there were plenty of people who noticed they could take advantage of these generous, gracious Christians. Some people figured out very quickly that if you hang out with a bunch of hard-working, kind, generous, giving people, you can then live a very comfortable, lazy life bludging off their goodwill. Uh, they can easily be enslaved and manipulated, especially by people who like the comfort of being in a church community even. Uh, if you go to Second Thessalonians chapter 3, there we have uh, the Apostle Paul. So Second Thessalonians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is teaching the church how to deal with this problem. It's already started. Paul is having to teach the church because this problem arose so early. He says there from verse 6, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did, do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. They were already having to teach how to deal with people taking advantage and doormatting Christians, even within the church. Now, keep in mind this is a, you know, it's a social context that's very different to our capitalist life here in Australia. But there it speaks of a situation where some people are giving and giving and giving and the leaders are modelling you know, themselves as people who give and give and give and that's the behaviour that is meant to be imitated and it is the teaching that comes from Jesus. But when people take advantage of that in the church, then there are choices to be made. There are choices to be made. Things can change. You don't just have to keep on living in that situation where people take advantage of you. 
There are boundaries and expectations so that some people aren't being doormatted by others. And sometimes it's the people who know about the Christian faith the most who are the hardest to deal with. There can be serious problems when difficult people um, hear about how much forgiveness we offer. You might remember Jesus was asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Like how many times should you forgive someone who's like repeatedly sinning against you, causing you harm? Well, you, you just gotta keep forgiving, right? You gotta keep forgiving. Forgive, forgive. When someone knows that, they can use it against you. And it does happen and it's not okay, all right? It does happen, but it is not okay. Be very careful when someone uses that phrase of Jesus, telling you to forgive, um, even if it's someone who is humbly and genuinely repenting, yes, you forgive. Yes, you forgive again. Yes, you forgive again, but it doesn't mean you can't make changes that will stop the cycle of damaging behavior. If you are stuck in a cycle of someone hurting you and asking for forgiveness, hurting you and asking for forgiveness, hurting you and asking for forgiveness, then that needs to change. Reach out and ask for help from someone you trust. There are choices that you can make. Uh, but more broadly speaking, you can be wasting your grace. Narcissists and lazy people and con artists, they all need to hear the gospel just as much as anyone else. But on this side of eternity, we do have limited resources, limited time, limited energy, limited creativity. So take aim with your grace. Take aim with your grace. If someone's not listening, don't keep talking. If you have the choice of demonstrating God's overflowing love to a range of people, then focus on the people who are responding and prioritize your time and energy in serving and suffering for them. God has an urgent mission for his people to wake up and move and speak. A final question who are you when you show grace? Who are you when you show grace? Jesus allowed himself to be doormatted. But did you notice in reading through Philippians 2 that he started in his very nature God before humbling himself, and then it goes on to say, and then exalted to the highest place. In his very nature, God, there's a humbling in the middle there, and then exalted to the highest place. The doormat sandwich has two slices of glory bread around it. This costly, transformative grace for us this, the big story is that Jesus had this incredible identity, not as a doormat, 
but as in being in very nature God. And then he's honored and praised and glorified for his sacrifice. He served freely and never allowed people to take from him what he was not ready to give. That is Jesus when he showed grace. The doormat sandwich has two slices of glory bread. That's Jesus when he showed grace. So what about you? Who are you when you show grace? Have you heard the incredible message of your value and your worth to God? You have been infused with amazing identity given to you from God. So in in this life, expect to be used, to be taken advantage of, to suffer. Grace is costly. You don't get a return on investment for this. However, we give out of an identity of an abundance. And, and it's so easy to cross this line of, you know, I've so often been a doormat in this situation, so often being doormatted, that, be, that can become an identity. I am a doormat. It's so easy to cross that line into thinking, I am a doormat. As in, I have so often been doormatted that I no longer see my inherent value as God's image bearer. That's who we are. We are given the image of God to bear to the world. If you feel like you have been doormatted, then please hear this. You are no one's doormat. You are no one's doormat. No one owns you as a doormat. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. You have been invited to sit at God's heavenly table. You have been called to participate in the divine nature. You participate in the divine nature. You participate in heaven. May you know that incredible identity whenever you show grace. Amen. Uh, We're going to sing about...